Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome to today. I was going to say welcome back, but we're just starting. So welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Of course, you guys on the Grace FM radio network, you know where Aurora is. It's an eastern suburb of Denver. It's where Calvary Live originates. Grace FM is housed and headquartered in Calvary Church. It's a ministry outreach of the church, and it's always a good reminder. Those of you listening into Grace FM, you know that this is a church-supported and run radio ministry. So every single dollar you donate to Grace FM helps to defer the operational costs and the overall investment in Grace FM. And we do uh, want and need your support. And right out of the gate, while we're waiting for a phone call, give us uh, the opportunity uh, to continue on the air uh, with your donation. Just go to gracefm.com. There's a donate button there. We we have revamped and re um, completely redone with our administrative team. Pastor Joshua and the back end of our administrative team have redone our giving module. So it's so much easier. You can do a quick re- recurring gift. You can do a one-timer. You can... Um, you know, give to Abounding Grace Radio, if you like, to keep uh, the radio teaching of uh, Calvary Church on the air. Uh, But go to gracefm.com, and the Give button is there. Now, Calvary Live's carried on a few different radio station networks. If you're on Hope FM, then support Hope FM, would you please? If you're on Truth FM, then support Truth FM. But please, please, please support local Christian radio, not just music. Uh, I I love music, I love worship, I love contemporary Christian music, uh, at least some of it, (laughs) not all of it. Uh, I definitely don't like any Christian country music, if there is such a thing. Uh, But I do appreciate music uh, with lyrics that glorify God. But I, I don't believe music has the same power as the Bible does. Music and worship is extremely powerful as it brings us to a place of worship before the Lord. But it's not the Bible. The Bible is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the gospel that has the power to save. And so we are dedicated at Grace FM, Hope FM, Truth FM, to teaching the Bible and to broadcasting uh, solid Bible teaching, primarily from local pastors and local ministries, uh, with a few ministries that are national, of course, uh, men that we admire and respect and love and appreciate their Bible. We have some of the best Bible teachers uh, in the world, and I, I don't mean that lightly. I, I think of Patrick, Pastor Skip Heitzig. Uh, I think of Pastor Greg Laurie. Uh, I think of Pastor Chuck Smith. Um premier expository verse-by-verse Bible teachers, and we are dedicated 
to running this station until the Lord returns. And we always are asking for help. And if you're just praying for us, we're going to receive that. But if you would pray and give, every drop in the bucket fills you know, fills it up. And, and you know, you're not giving to us. You're giving through us. You're, we're partnering in the ministry. And we're doing the back-end work. Um, we have full-time staff. Uh, we have um, contracted staff. I mean, it, it's... It's I'm the overseer of the radio station in the sense that I'm the senior pastor of the church here. So it was it was a vision that God birthed in my heart, and so I'm responsible for it. In very and it's a lot more work than I ever anticipated, um, but God's gifted us with Kevin on the back end, gifted us with Frank and and with Trent and a, quite a few KC. Um, I think it's KC um, that uh, Wendy OC quite a few people Deanna. Uh, that have volunteered, that work full-time, and serve behind the scenes. Uh, even one of our own pastors yesterday, Pastor Keegan, um, also our boy in Kuwait, it says, David. Um, and so I, I, even Pastor Keegan yesterday had to run errands uh, for his junior high retreat this weekend, and I asked him to take the Grace FM van and to drive uh, to a farther Sam's Club. And he did, and he was a great sport about it. I appreciate partnering in the ministry with Keegan. So at any rate, we're taking your calls and your questions, and it is a conversational show. And so if you're tuning in and you're wondering, well, why is he talking? Well, partially because it's a conversational show. We're talking about the things of the Lord. And and a lot of times you just, um, <laughs> a lot of times you just tune on the radio and don't realize all that goes behind it, or maybe like other radio stations, you think that we have an unlimited supply of multi millions of dollars to run the station, uh, but we are um, we're just a church, uh, and that uh, uh, you know we're not uh, we're not an insignificant church, uh, but we are a part of the plan of God. But we're just a church that has a radio station. Actually, we own two radio stations uh, that cover about eighty percent of Colorado's population, and uh, we count it a great privilege. Uh, we counted a great honor and stewardship according to the Lord. And uh, I think we're in our eighth year now. We entered into our 20th year of ministry and our eighth year in radio ministry. And then, of course, Bounding Grace has been on around on the radio around the country, even around the world, for 18 of the 19 years we've been in the church. So 303-690-3000, that's the number to call. Give me a call. Be on the air with me. If you don't want to be on the air or you can't and you're in a safe place, text me. We have a dedicated text line. That is three, uh, excuse me, 720-336-0897. Welcome, welcome to everyone on Hope FM. Appreciate you guys. We love our relationship with our friends in New Jersey, in Maryland in Pennsylvania. Uh, we're grateful to be connected with you. I was in Pennsylvania a couple years ago for the East Coast Pastors Conference, and we're driving around in our rental car listening to the show, uh, listening to uh, Hope FM. It was just so encouraging. And uh, we're connected with many, many new friends in New Jersey as of late, lots of friends. So shout out to you guys. Even if you're on Hope FM right now, the Bridge FM radio team, and uh, we're grateful that uh, our relationships with Bill Lupkamen and and Jim Kevney and Bobby Hargraves and Eddie Panero and 
Johnny Zacchio and um, on and on the list goes. I, I'm sure I've, uh, Bobby Hargraves. How could you forget Bobby Hargraves? Um, that is all, just a great group of men and women um, out there. They're pastors and their wives and, and the ministry team. And uh, looking forward, I was invited again to come out to uh, Old Bridge, Calvary Chapel in Old Bridge. So we'll be out for Bridge Fest. Uh, and I'll be teaching the weekend services at Calvary Chapel of Old Bridge um, later on this year. And appreciate your prayers for me when you remember me uh, for my travels. Uh, God has opened tremendous doors for us. And uh, we, we have invitations literally around the world. Um, I count it a privilege to be trusted. Uh, and I count it a privilege uh, to serve Jesus Christ in the capacity that I have. 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, here's a text message as uh, we're coming through. Do you have an opinion on people, believers, who do not open a Bible during service? I see a lot of that and try not to judge, but how do you know if you're being taught the true biblical scripture if you're not equipped with the sword of the Spirit? Please advise. Well, it's a good question, uh, and it's a couple of different angles that you can answer a question. Of course, we're in a church that uh, I pastor a church, and I'm part of a church, a family network that encourages using your Bible. And what that means is you own one, you read one, you open one, uh, you circle in it, you write in it, you take notes on it, you highlight it, and we encourage using your Bible. So that when you come to church, even if you don't have one, we invest thousands of dollars a year to buy Bibles for people that put in the back of the chair, and and we want you to develop the habit of using the Bible, and and so that's a constant encouragement. I have to say, now that you're you're asking the question, I, I can't say that I I I um you know remind everybody every service. However, I did develop a habit, and you might hear it in my teaching. And, and I usually say it so it's even on the recording, so when you hear it on the radio, uh, you hear it. And I, I have developed a habit to say it at every Bible study in the very beginning, as soon as I say amen. If you have your Bibles, let's open them to, or some variation. Take your Bibles and open them to. And I, I, I developed that habit years ago. I wish I would have had it the very first time I moved here, but I want to remind everybody um, but I don't necessarily exhort everybody all the time. And, and we're, we have such a big sanctuary uh, that we don't also have guys or gals walking up the aisle ways giving Bibles away. So we that's another chance to remind people. Uh, so I support what, what you're saying. I support the open Bible. But let's talk about a minute about why someone wouldn't open a Bible uh, during a service. Uh, let's just a few good reasons. Uh, number one, uh, they have a hard time writing notes and reading the Bible at the same time. So they choose instead during Bible study to take notes and they'll look it up later. Uh, secondly, they, you know, and I'm not a big fan of this, but I get it. They read it on their phone or their iPad. Uh, I used to be really uncomfortable with that, but who am I to be uncomfortable with how somebody wants to consume the Word of God? Um, you know, I, I try to tell folks, you know, don't use your phones or your iPads in church because. You know, unless you put it on airplane mode, you might get a text message or an Instagram notification, blah, blah, blah. Uh, even me, I have a timer and I use an iPad. And if I don't remember to put it on um, do not disturb, I'll get interrupted even while I'm teaching because I have, you know, I use my phone as a timer. And But 
people use, maybe they're not opening their Bibles because they're using their phone or their iPad. Um, maybe they're new believers. They don't understand the value yet of opening their Bibles. Uh, and then, you know, there's other categories that I would just encourage. You know, some churches put the verses up on the on the all the verses that they're ever going to use up on the screen, and then they've kind of trained their church not to bring their Bibles. So there's a lot of reasons behind it, but I would just say that I would agree that when we come together, uh, well, first of all, I teach the men, and I, I, I want them to have their Bibles on them all the time, everywhere. Uh, it's, you've got to be equipped, and so the pastors and the leaders should always have a Bible with them, and, and, then, and then you should use it. So there's a various reasons. I wouldn't be, I, I, you said you have, you know, you have a hard time, you know, not being, um, you know, judgmental and just, just leave room for the Holy Spirit to do the work. Um, because if they're in Bible, even if they're, you know, like Christmas time and I'll get on the phone lines are full now, but like Christmas time, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of visitors and they don't have Bibles or anything. Well, they're in church for goodness sake. The Holy Spirit will get them. Um, I'm glad they're listening. Uh, and I think of, you know, I remember back, I had to learn this in California. I was the singles pastor for almost three years. And I and our service days were Thursday nights at 7 p.m. And, you know, maybe we had a couple hundred people, couple hundred singles that would come out. And, and I remember having to deal with people falling asleep during my message. And literally, you know, even their, you know, their head cocked back and snoring and all that. It's just, it's, it's quite comical. Uh, and, and, you know, pastors take that personal. But we don't necessarily need to take it personal because people are tired. And especially on a Thursday night or like night's nights, last night, our Wednesday service, people are tired. They worked all day. It's Maybe they worked overtime. Maybe they didn't eat dinner because they wanted to get to church on time. And, and so I just leave room for the human condition. And they're in the sanctuary. The Holy Spirit's going to give them what they need. It's on technology. They can listen to it later. Um, you know, And even those that are sleeping... Um, you know, maybe I have to check myself that I'm not boring them, you know, making the Bible boring. Shame on any of us pastors that make the Bible boring, for goodness sake. The Bible's not a boring book. And and maybe I made it boring. I need to check the way I'm teaching. Or um, or also, um, I just, I, I can teach them subliminally. The Holy Spirit can speak to you while you're asleep. So, Great question. I hope I helped you a little, with a little bit. It would have been a good one to dialogue about too, but thanks for your text question. Go ahead and text 720-336-0897, but our lines are full. We're going to go right to, well, actually we have one open line, but we're going to go East Coast this time. So let's go to Mike in Kingsville, Maryland. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Mike, you're from Kingsville, Maryland. You're on the air. All right, Mike, so I've got enough of your question on my screen to answer it. Someone um, uh, someone last week called about tattoos, and so uh, Mike says, I believe 1 Corinthians 3.17 is a scripture against tattoos. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Um, well, you know, in the Old Covenant, uh, the reality of God's judgment coming upon us would certainly be there, but... The idea between First Corinthians three seventeen would you'd have to be you know real careful, Mike, how you how you um, how you def, how you define defiling the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, uh, because 
you know, not just the outside of your body would be the temple, but also the inside of your body. So uh, what about your mind and what you put in your mind? Uh, what if you think a bad thought or or you get involved in things you shouldn't be involved in with your eyes? Uh, you're defiling, uh, you know, there's, your definition of 1 Corinthians 3.17 would, would be um, a once and for all type of... Um, type of judgment for all kinds of defilement. And, and I believe that um, I, have, I have opinions on tattoos, but I don't think the Bible prohibits them. The only prohibition about marking your bodies in relationship to tattoos and when you, is when you do it to worship the dead. And so don't mark your body to worship the dead. God says don't do it. Now, line one, um, we're going to the hometown of where Hope FM is located. Steve's calling from Marlton, New Jersey. Uh, Steve, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, sir? Um, Good. Are, do you, I'm just, uh, do you go to Bill's yeah. Church? What's that? Do you go to Bill's Church? I, I did a couple times. Yeah, I do. I usually go to Camden and help the homeless uh, a lot. So Right on. I don't. I don't really go to church that much anymore. I go to a couple of places in Camden here and there, but I usually stay down there so I can help the homeless and and teach the lost. Well, what's, um, what can I do for you? Um, I I just wondering about uh, once saved, always saved. Um, yes. Like people tell me, one, some of my friends tell me that do go to Calvary in Marlton. That um, what's it called? Um, they say. Once saved, always saved, but they say that the Holy Spirit's supposed to come in you as soon as you're saved, and I don't know about that, because I was saved, um, when I was saved, I was, I guess, the Holy Spirit did come into me, I started crying for 10 minutes straight, I couldn't stop crying, and I was driving a cab, and I was helping people in the cab that didn't have a lot of money in Lindenwald, New Jersey, and uh, I just, uh, I don't understand once saved, always saved, if you don't bear fruit or walk with Jesus, um, you know, I don't understand that. Well, let's, let's change our vocabulary. Let's, let's not use want saved, always saved, because it really doesn't reflect the, what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches—I'd re- I'd rather speak about how the Bible describes salvation, and the Bible describes salvation as eternal. Uh, right. it, it doesn't describe the salvation of a human being as temporary, uh, but rather— a person, when he or she is born again, um, they have passed from death to life, from darkness to light, and the Bible describes salvation as being in the Father's hands where no one can snatch you out. The Bible describes salvation as being in a position where nothing can separate you from the love of God. And and so when you speak of the, the term of salvation, the Bible is clear. The term of salvation is eternity. Um, when you, so that it puts the question, I believe, into a different category, and that is, is a person really saved to begin with? And right. and so that that's a question that's hard to answer for you and me because we are not God. I don't know the heart of people. And so mm-hmm. what Jesus indicated, what Jesus taught us. Uh, is to look for the fruit, like you said, the evidence of salvation, the Absolutely. the evidence of a changed life, and right. and so even in our judgments of whether someone's saved or not, it's still only temporary and incomplete. I mean, my my family and I were talking about this last night uh, after service in our front room here. We're we're just look examining the fruit and the uh, examining the life of um, some family people, some people that um, used to be close to us. 
uh, that are just wicked and cruel. And right. there's a lot of things in our lives that we we just come to the conclusion they're just not saved. Um, but we always have to have the caveat that I don't know, I'm not God, so I'm not going to dwell on that. I know but you're man, not. the fruit from their life is absolutely rotten to the core. It's right. cruel, it's wicked, it's deceptive, right. and, and yet they hang around in church and um, exactly. you know, has even and, served alongside of us at, at one time on staff. So exactly. you know, it's a bizarre sen- scenario, uh, it's a bizarre situation, but the fruit of their life is just wickedness. And, okay. and so we just got to pray that God would apprehend them. But when it comes to salvation, you never read, in the, you never read of an instance of a born-again believer being unborn again. Never once. Uh, you never he- read of a person in the Bible that lost their salvation. Right. Um, you you do read of heart. people. You do read of Sorry. people that all of a sudden stopped uh, hanging out with believers and stopped living for God. Uh, and right. I always question whether they were saved to begin with, and because it, the Bible says if they were, they would have continued on. Exactly, because uh, these and, people that I know, they they still curse, they still hate. They still talk about their brother and, brother and sister like they're they're nothing. And I said to him, if you had the Holy Spirit in you, you wouldn't be able to do that because your heart is changed from the inside out. Like, I love everybody. I help everybody, strangers on the street, and I pray for them, and I convict them all the time. And I just uh, wish they were would listen to me, but they don't want to listen. They just want to do it their way, and I, I feel bad because I love them. And yes. They don't think I love them, you know, but I'm, I'm trying. Like, what do I do with people that just won't, do I stop hanging out with them if they're if we're on equal yokes and continue yeah, to pray uh, yeah. for them? Well, it's, there's, a, there's a few things that, that the Bible tells us. You know, here, if you say you're saved, okay, so, so we're on the phone right now, and right. Uh, we're talking a couple thousand miles uh, separate. And Absolutely. my name is Ed, and I believe I'm a saved uh, person in Christ. And Steve right. is in Marlton, New Jersey, and you say you're saved. Well, if you tell me you're saved, I'm going to treat you like that and hold you to a biblical standard. Amen. Um, I'm going to take what you say, and you can take what I say, and we're going to let the Bible, and we're going to make the Bible our final word. Um, right. It has to shape and mold our thoughts. Now, right. if you say you're saved and you act like an unbeliever, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to treat you like an unbeliever, and I'm going to evangelize you, and I'm going to plead with you to be right with God, and I'm going to ask you to turn away from that sinful behavior. I'm like, either way, I'm going to love you in some way. Um, And if you continue to live, you know, if you continue to live in a horrible way, then I I may have to distance myself from you. Like, for example, if you started cussing right now or getting all flipped out, I'd put you on hold. I wouldn't exactly. let you do it. I'd put some distance between us right? Uh, and then say, come on, Steve, um, meet me in the middle. You know, We'd have a discussion. And so just like in the world, if, if your behavior is tempting me, stumbling me, hurting me in some way, then the Bible says evil company corrupts good habits. I'm going to have to distance myself. And if you say you're a believer and you are living like the devil, the Bible says not to have fellowship with you. That's what I said. And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, sometimes you'd have to do it. Yeah. Well, thanks for your help. I appreciate it. And God bless you and your family and everybody okay, around you. All right, Pl- see you know, I, I would just say from the beginning of our call, too, be sure to plug into a home, uh, to a local fellowship, too, man. You're, 
you're missing out and the church is missing out on the fruit from your life. We, I know. It's not just for us to go, but for us to enjoy and fellowship with one another. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for calling, bro. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Here's a, a text question as the phone lines fill up again. Pastor Ed, can you please give some insight or resources to help with overcoming and deciding what to do on dealing with adultery from a woman and the mother of my child? I'm in the receiving end of this, and I'm trying my hardest to be able to use and grow from this terrible feeling I have, and I can't seem to get past. First of all, I'm very sorry uh, that you are experiencing the pain of um, adultery. It's it's very, very um, brutal. I don't know any other word to describe. Uh, and there are a couple things I can suggest to you. One, would you please email me Pastor Ed at CalvaryAurora.org, and I will return that email with a little pamphlet on the topic of forgiveness. Uh, It's because that's what God's going to work into your heart, forgiveness. Secondly, there's a book that we've used here um, that has helped tremendously in this particular sin. It's called Torn Asunder, A-S-U-N-D-E-R, Torn Asunder, and it is a tool to... to help process the pain and reconcile in the marriage. So I know this was a text question. I hope you're still listening. Email me, pastorette at calvaryaurora.org. I'll re- respond and remind me about the question because I don't know, you don't have a name assat- attached to this. Uh, and I will return that email. And anybody of you listening can do this. Um, I will personally, um, I get dozens and dozens and dozens of emails when I do this and I answer everyone. And so I'll, I'll send that PDF. I have it all set up to respond. So um, it is on the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation um, by a pastor by the name of Craig Castor in San Diego. And I'm, I'm telling you, we give out hundreds and hundreds of them uh, uh, throughout the um, year. And it helped me personally with some of the personal nonsense that I've had to deal with, the sin against me and my family, and you know, day by day. What do you do? How about this question? What do you do when you're sinned against every single day of the week by the same person? <laughs> you know, you learn the habit of forgiveness and release. And you go, but Ed, you know, sometimes we think forgiveness means reconciliation. Well, it doesn't. Uh, forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. And reconciliation requires repentance. And so if the other person says, oh, I'm not doing anything against you. I've never done that. I, then you, you, how can you reconcile with a liar? Uh, you can't. Uh, you have to, repentance. You, you know, God doesn't save people that don't repent. Think about that. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He, the provision for salvation is available, but only those that repent enjoy it. Same with reconciliation. So a lot of times we confuse forgiveness with, well, automatically the relationship's going to be restored. It can't be restored without repentance. It can't be restored without forgiveness. And so forgiveness is your act of releasing the other person from the debt that they owe you. And that way you're not held bondage from them anymore. They're not on your lips all the time. They're, you're moving on with life and worshiping Jesus. And if you're ever to have another relationship with them, well, then that's when you got to work things out, isn't it? 
That's when you got to talk through things. That's when you got to say you you did this. Um, and I love this. You know, uh, there'd be times where you know you're talking to someone. I never did that. And you're like, right here, I got a picture of it on my phone. You posted this about me on Facebook. Yeah, I never did that. Really? Here it is. Oh, maybe I did. Well, of course you did. You know you did. You know what you wrote. You know what you sent. You know what you said. And so repentance clears the slate. True godly sorrow. I did a Bible study on that in when we were studying through our First Corinthians, and it'd be good for you to pick up um, to learn the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. So email me, pastoredcalvaryaurora.org. I'll, I'll send you the pamphlet, the book on adultery and recovering, Torn Asunder, Torn Asunder. I don't remember the... Um, the author, but it's really good. Coming up on the first and only Blake break of the the uh, show, uh, so give me a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be back in just a few. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of today's program, Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I am the pastor of Calvary Church here in Aurora, Colorado. And we are uh, just excited about the new year and what God is doing. And if the new year spiritual warfare is any indication, uh, we are making progress for the kingdom and making the devil mad. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we serve in the power and the strength of the Lord, and the devil has no power over you. You are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we will press forward with the call of God upon our lives. We are resolved to obey him and live in his strength. We are uh, committed to living in the resources and the power of the Holy Spirit by his grace and to cooperate with him through uh, uh, committed acts of obedience and surrender. And, you know, Christianity is not a passive religion. Uh, It's not a religion at all. It's an active relationship. And like any relationship, we serve one another and love one another and share with one another. It's good. It's good to be a part of the body of Christ. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's go over to Bill in line two. He's calling from Westminster, Colorado. Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hey, my question is in reference to end times, the rapture. Um, I've got a few friends and family members who I have been working on and witnessing to, and um, they're on the fence. Some seem like they're close, but, you know, and until they actually make that jump, you know, they're still lost. So... And it's heavy on my heart. So my my question is, what happens to those people that I know that are friends of mine, family members, after the rapture takes place? Am I correct in saying that God will send a strong delusion that they will no longer have that opportunity? Am I wrong in what I'm saying? Well, you're talking about uh, a couple of different things. Um, The first one, let's let's answer the first question. After the rapture, uh, after the rapture of the church, uh, for those that are still alive, anyone that's breathing uh, ha- has the opportunity to repent of their sins. Okay. Uh, their fate is not sealed 
there's there's the fate of a person is sealed in one in one of three ways, I believe biblically. Number one, they've committed the the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that's the point of no return while you're still alive. Okay. It's a very scary place to be, and the good news is is that we don't know who has committed that sin, so we don't need to pay much attention to it externally. We just keep loving people, and we don't go and ask, have you committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? You know, we just continue to love and serve and bless. But God knows, and sure. that's, he'll deal with that. Number two, a person seals their eternal fate by repenting of their sins and receiving Jesus Christ They, while they're alive. Uh, and they, they repent of their sins, and they are uh, forever saved and in the presence of the Lord. The third way that a person seals their fate is that they die in their sins. They die refusing to believe to their last breath uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's to, so, so there is a group of people, so after the rapture, if you're alive um, and you haven't committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you have an opportunity to be saved. Okay. So it's interesting in First Thessalonians now, or Second Thessalonians, to the question that, the second part of your question it reveals the coming, and this is verse 9 of chapter 2, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie and that they would be condemned who did not believe the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the group that this is referring to is very clear. Uh, to us, it's, number one, it's a group that did not receive the love of the truth, verse 10. They didn't receive the gospel so they, that they'd be saved. Verse 11 says that they will believe the lie. And verse 12 says they didn't believe the truth, and also they took pleasure in unrighteousness. So this is a group of unbelievers that will receive the strong delusion. And it reminds me of a previous strong delusion that God had sent. It's not unprecedented because the strong delusion, um, the strong delusion that was sent to Pharaoh was described as God hardening his hardened heart. That if he would have softened his heart, God would have, so God would have met him there. But because he hardened his heart, God responded to use that hardened heart for his purposes. Okay. All right. Well, that definitely clears up. That gives me the answer I was looking for. So yeah. when that delusion comes, we're, we're talking, once the rapture happens, whenever the seven-year period starts, I'm assuming that starts fairly quickly. Yes. Um, that was probably going to be a couple of years into it before that happens, or will that happen right away then? Well, it, as soon as those the, people flat out just refuse to believe in Jesus, and they believe the Antichrist instead, they're the people group. Yeah, I mean the that Antichrist is going to be of. the Antichrist is going to be ruling from the get go. It's only three and a half years into the tribulation that he reveals his true colors. You know, so he's okay. he'll, he's going to be similar to a real slick politician yeah, that can win over the world with charisma and promises. Right. And and then in halfway through, as he makes that that covenant with uh, the nation of Israel, he breaks it and reveals his true colors. And so, right, okay. um, you know, okay. definitely people are getting saved during the tribulation period. 
Okay. Uh, uh, some, we refer to that group of people as tribulation saints. Okay. Uh, and and so it's uh, a lot of these things that are described in the Bible like this aren't shaken out until the end. You know, when Jesus, the Bible says, separates the sheep from the goats. You know, we right. aren't. We're, we're all going to know the, the when we. Read, that's done at the white throne judgment, is it? When he separates the sheep from the goats, is that done at the white throne judgment, or when he comes the second time? You know, there's a couple of different views on that. One is is like that's a separation of the—some people believe that's a separation of the nations and who was loyal to Israel and who wasn't, and some believe that that's a revelation. I think I think that the actual act uh, will probably take place as people die, um, because at the great white throne judgment, it's all unbelievers— and at the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ, it's all believers. So it's going to be sometime in eternity. We aren't quite told exactly when that separation is going to take place. But, you know, the separation takes place at death, really. Just like the true story that Jesus shared with us of the, um, of the rich man and Lazarus. After they died, it was very clear whose side they were on. For sure. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That, that clears up... Um, my thinking, that was a great uh, response and a great answer. I'm really grateful. I love your ministry. Amen. God bless you, brother. All right. You take care. All right. Bye-bye. 303 is the number. Take in your calls. Take in your questions. Shout out to everybody on the East Coast listening on Hope FM. You guys in Maryland, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, shout out to all you guys in Calvary, Philly, uh, my buddy Josh, um, Pastor Rob, you know, Pastor Joe. Um, I, I got to serve with Pastor Rob Paoletti uh, not too long ago uh, when we went up to do the Pastors and Leaders Conference up in the Northeast. Man, what a great brother. Love that guy. Uh, got to meet his wife, pray for his family. Uh, can't wait to serve with him again. Of course, Bill Lupkamen is a very, very good friend of mine. I was, pa- I was uh, texting him today. Uh, he is a radio guru uh, in a, every sense of that word. He's a genius when it comes to radio. So God bless you guys, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland. Um, uh, Maryland is not a place I've served yet, so uh, looking forward to making new friends in Maryland. Um, met a brother in Boston. Uh, looking forward to serving up at Calvary Chapel in Boston. So, And then you guys in Truth FM, uh, call us. I know you're only you're hearing this a week delay, but you can call while the show's on. Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky. Of course, here in Colorado, Nebraska, uh, Cheyenne, my brother up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, Pastor Sean Sells, a shout out to you guys in Cheyenne. God bless you. Give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let me see where we are here. Joyce, Fort Collins, Colorado. Joyce, welcome to the program. Line one. Hey, Joyce. Oh, man. Sorry, Joyce. We lost you. Uh, let's move on to line three. Byers, Colorado. Wani? Is it Wani? Yes. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Um, I just to want program. to tell you how much I appreciate your ministry. Um, I attend um, Calvary Bennett, and I just listen to you and your show. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. You are welcome. Pray for us that the Lord would continue to keep us usable. I do, every day. Thank you. My question is, um, you know, when I became a Christian, I didn't never heard the term Calvinist and Armenian. And 
recently somebody gave me something was by John uh, MacArthur, but mm-hmm. it didn't ring true to me. It, it, is he a Calvinist? And he owns the Calvinists believe that it's predestined who's going to be saved and who is not going to be saved. And so why evangelize? Well, Calvinists, uh, there's, you know, within the body of Christ, we're all an interesting group of people, and there are a lot of variations of Calvinists. You have from hyper-Calvinists, which would hold to that view, uh, that there's no need to evangelize um, because God's already predestined, and then there's different variations, different levels, uh, different um, flavors, if you will, of Calvinism. However, if you're going to be true to the systematic uh, teaching of John Calvin— you have to come to the, that conclusion. Um, that's one of the most inconsistent, illogical um, conclusions of this human-centered systematic theology known as Calvinism uh, that was started by John Calvin, but actually perfected by his assistant, Beza. And and yeah, that, that would be the logical conclusion. of There's two logical conclusions that many Calvinists have a very hard time with, so they water it down and don't emphasize it. Uh, one is this idea of evangelism. It, as a matter of fact, I'd put it this way. In true Calvinistic, if you're a true five-point Calvinist and you hold to the simplicity of the Calvinistic view of predestination uh, and limited atonement, that's the real key when, in that, then, then to evangelize the masses would be to be lying to some of your audience. Actually, to most okay. of your audience. Because if, if the atonement of Jesus is l- truly limited, which is the L in tulip, if it's truly limited, and what they mean by limited is that it is not for everyone. So that when Jesus says, whosoever will, let him come, that's a select group of people. And that the atonement is limited and not available to everyone. Then if you preach the gospel to a group of a thousand people and say, um, Jesus Christ died for your sins— in a very real way, you will be lying to some if you believe that doctrine. Uh-huh. And and so the second one, which is even more startling, is the flip side of the coin of predestination. Because in true Calvinistic uh, teaching, you have on the one side of the coin, you have a group of people predestined for heaven, and you must flip that coin over and say the other side, which is hard for people to say. But some people yeah. flat out say, yes, God predestined some for hell. They have no chance whatsoever to ever be saved. And, you know, that's mm. just not found in the Bible. Yes. I, yes. It just isn't found. I disagree with my uh, friends uh, and even a few enemies that have turned against me because they adopted Calvinism, and I just disagree. And so when you when you speak of John MacArthur, John MacArthur is sort of an enigma for Calvinists because John MacArthur holds. So he's become stronger over the years uh, in his Calvinistic teachings, uh, okay. much much stronger. And uh, and but but he's an enigma because he doesn't toe the Calvinist line, especially when it comes to the rapture and. The uh, second coming of the Lord. He's a pre-trib, uh, pre-millennial uh, teacher of the rapture. And secondly, the other, the third damning thing of Reformation theology is this idea of replacement theology, that the church oh. has replaced Israel and that God no longer has a plan or purpose for the nation of Israel. Uh, and John MacArthur absolutely does not subscribe to that. Um, h- however, 
you know, if you're a mature believer, I have always appreciated much of the ministry of John MacArthur. I believe okay. he's a true brother in Christ. Um, I certainly disagree when he gets Calvinistic. I disagree, you know, he, he threw Calvary Chapel under the bus not too long ago uh, in a conference that he titled Strange Fire. And, you know, we there were many years ago, John MacArthur was in a video um, supporting Pastor Chuck. Uh, it yeah. was a it was a video that said, you know, he appreciated the ministry of Calvary Chapel. He was blessed by it. And and then a few years ago, he held a conference, Strange Fire, and he said that much of the church, and I'm paraphrasing, but much of the church's problem today uh, is directly because of men like Chuck Smith, uh, who believed in uh, Pentecostal theology. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't speak for the man. I, I, I disagree with him. Um, on some things, but I agree with him on other things, and I love him, and and uh, I'm going to be in heaven with him. And and over the years, I've just really tried to to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Okay. And I, I've really tried to bring people to the cross, and 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 just yeah. kind of speak about the the doctrine because I don't know the man personally, and and I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm just gonna say no. I don't think uh, Pentecostal theology is strange fire. I don't think that the church's problems. Are directly to Calvary Chapel, and and um, I certainly have found myself not to agree with Calvinistic theology. I'm not a one point. I'm not a two point. I'm not an any point Calvinist at all, zero. Because you know they yeah. try to accommodate, say, "Well, I'm a four point Calvinist," but really, it's it's an all or nothing system. You can't pick up one or the other. That's it's all or nothing with Calvinism. You you either believe of man's depravity as a Calvinist describes it, or you don't. And if you subscribe to that, then everything else follows. Okay, and I do have a prayer request. Um, okay, my son Jonathan um, is an adult, and his baby daughter had the chickenpox, and now Jonathan has the chickenpox. Ah. And so, you know, it means no work, and just just pray for Jonathan and Amanda that you know they can get through all this. Well, Father, we do pray for this um, these sicknesses. They're they're probably more annoying than anything, uh, and and you know, challenging for schedules and putting things in order. So I just pray, God, that you would bring great healing. Um, and even as we talk about differences of theologies and differences and, in, in, um, you know, the difficulties that they raise, would you, would you help us, God, to not bite and devour one another? Would you help us not to tear another man's ministry down? But rather, would you help us to, to cling to what we believe and to go after the lost? And, you know, the lost doesn't care about these petty disagreements um, they're lost in their trespasses and sins. And so may the body rise up in these last days, um, you know, not in compromise and, and not in uh, watering down any of the gospel, but, but also not elevating man-made doctrines or man-made movements over and above the gospel and the power of your word in the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. You're welcome. Great question. Thanks for calling. All right, bye-bye. 303 Let's go to line one. Andrew in Parker, Colorado. Hello. Andrew, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. Um, You're welcome. I am calling to ask about uh, what, what scriptures are some good ones for men that um, ex- have... Uh, actually, so uh, to give you a context for the question, uh, we uh-huh. 
we're we're having a men's retreat at my church, and okay. it's about a book um, someone wrote. I don't remember the name of the title of the book, but essentially five things that men uh, experience and struggle with uh, that we when we experience them we don't see them coming. It just hits us. We don't know in advance until we just okay. get hit by it and it kind of knocks us down and. And so I was just wondering if there are some scriptures that you might be able to point to to, uh, to look at and, and to prepare my mind for the, the possibility of these things happening. Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, because I'd have to find out what the five things were. You know, one of them, I think, would be a sexual sin of some sort, pornography, adultery, fornication. And so, you know, you can take a Bible... Uh, dictionary out and look up the word adultery uh, and find it or sexual sin. Um, let me suggest a free one for you. Uh, blueletterbible.org. Um, a lot of free resources there. Um, but it would be hard for me to to help you on that question unless I knew what five things would ambush a guy. I mean, so let's try to guess. Do you know what the five are already? Actually, I was thinking along the same lines as uh, sexual sin. Um, because, you yeah. know, because I'm a guy and I have, right. Uh, you know, so lust, thought, you know, lust you know? of the eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, in I, fact, I, I think lust was one of the things that the pastor on Tuesday was one of. Okay. I, he was a guy from Greeley uh, was talking about. Um, okay. Yes. Lust and um, anger. I know anger is another one. Okay. That uh, I, I the, the Bible particularly says. Am familiar with. Uh, and so, what is. What is righteous anger versus what is worldly sure. uh-huh. anger? And uh, do you okay? So let's ask that question as you prepare for the retreat. Do can if if somebody came to you at work and said, "Hey, uh, I know you read the Bible, and and uh, I'm having a hard time understanding um, what the difference is between uh, anger that is righteous and anger that is not righteous." How would you answer that question? Um. Yeah, I would I would say anger that is righteous is um, well. I do I can say that there there we're called as Christians we're we're called to be like uh, God in that God is slow to anger. Yes, uh, he's yes, quick to listen good. and slow to anger. So we're, su- yes. we're supposed to listen and understand before trying to be right. You know, it's trying to be right in a in a conflict or a an argument of some sort, and then there comes a point uh, when when we say we have to speak the truth in love and yes. uh, in a relationship with somebody who's draining you. Um, uh, then, at some point, you have to you have to tell them no. You know, to say no in a in a way that uh, gives them uh, dignity and respect. But at the same time, doesn't uh, tie you down in their into their their sin, whatever that that might be. Right. Uh, and so, uh, being angry in 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 a righteous way would be like where Jesus was angry at the money changers in the temple, and he, right. um, you know, he overturned their tables. And that's one example that I that I could think of. That's a great answer. And so if you can find out the five things, 
um, you can look through them in Blue Letter Bible and through the concordance and look up scriptures on the topic. There's, I'm sure there's a topical dictionary there. And and I think that as you're processing, you know, looking at what lust, how to avoid lust, uh, looking at what where sexual sin leads a person. And then I, I think if somebody asked me and I had to give them a simple answer on, on uh, I really like how you added, um, I wasn't thinking this, when you added slow to anger, you know, righteous anger is going to come very slowly. I really like that. Um, not yeah. always, right? You know, Jesus, um, but it's not going to be a short-tempered fuse, right? The fruit of the Spirit right. is long-suffering and self-control. Yeah. I really like that. I'm going to remember that one. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I would say that righteous anger glorifies God and does not lead to sin. And unrighteous anger serves self, is kind of selfish, and, is, yeah. and ends in sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I did a quick, you know, I did a quick search in Amazon just to see if I could uh-huh. find the book. I put five things men struggle with, but nothing came up, so I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I, I have wish to know I had the five things. Written it down when I was. A, <laughs> when it I was sounds in like a church. It sounds like day, it's going to be a challenging time away for the men. It sounds like it's it sounds yeah. like an interesting book to really equip uh, men to navigate through these these um, you know potholes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just thought of another one that I know is, is pretty common in, in the Christian, mainstream Christian church, is, is complacency. And it's not yes. just men, but it's probably women, too, that we are we find our comfort zone, and then we fall into a pattern of living, and it, and it doesn't challenge uh, our faith. And we, I, we don't get to, you know, we don't get to step, we don't get to grow. You know, when we're being complacent. I, I'm so I just did some discipleship with our team on this a couple weeks ago, and one of the passages I love to use when it comes to this, uh, it's actually a couple of them. One is in Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah 17, that speaks of Moab being settled on his dregs, and 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 he he says you haven't been poured from vessel to vessel, and so it's real important for us to stay flexible and moldable, and know that God is going to pour us from vessel to vessel. Uh, to be used by him. And another one has to do with the coming of Jesus Christ when Jesus said uh, that you don't put new wine into old wineskins. And Uh, he was speaking, of course, about the new covenant and the old covenant. But the application is, is that, um, and by the way, it wasn't Jeremiah 17, it was Jeremiah 48. But uh, here in uh, Matthew 9 and other places, you know, he says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break and the wine is spilled. And the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And, you know, it's just God's heart for us to be ready for a fresh work. And the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious rulers were not ready to receive the new covenant. Uh, they were stuck in the old covenant and were not willing to, to let go of their religious authority or power and yield to the Messiah that was standing in front of them. And Jesus uses an opportunity theologically to say, look, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new work. And yeah. the, this, the, the resistance is going to lead to the loss of everything for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Well, thank you. God bless you on your retreat. Tell us how it goes when you get back. Okay, I, w- I will do that. Thank you very much. All right, I look forward to it. God bless you, man. Bye-bye. Well, I'm sorry, guys. We aren't um, up at the end of the show again and uh, don't have time to take any more calls, but I appreciate you calling. 
Um, I know the phone lines fill up really fast. Come to church this weekend at Calvary Church here in Aurora. Um, We are in the second part of a three-part series that we've entitled uh, Loving the Past, Living the Future. And it's our vision for the year. It's our vision going forward. It's our vision for our personal life. Uh, It's to stir up love and good works. We can't be complacent, very similar to my brother, that we can't be comfortable. We got to go after the lost. We weren't put in the city to to steal sheep from other churches and just to see sheep, you know, transfer from church to church. We want to go after the lost. Uh, we want to we want to comfort the brokenhearted, you know. And if there's a a person that is, um, you know, uh, disgruntled or upset in their current church, we want them to reconcile with their pastor. We want them to be where God's called them to be. We want the, them to to serve the Lord with joy and gladness. We want to see every church in town grow. Uh, we want to see the lost saved, and we want to go after the love relationship in our community that makes a difference for Jesus Christ, and that's our vision. It always has been, but we're being reminded of it, and last week's message was just so encouraging, and I expect this week, I just finished it up today, sent it off to be edited, you know, my my assistant puts it in form for my iPad, and so she's going to format it for my iPad, and Lord willing, we're going to run with the vision this weekend. So thanks for your prayers. We appreciate you. Um, do submit, you know, go to gracefm.com and donate to the station, would you? Maybe something regular. You know, we're going to figure out something like 89 cents a day or something, but um, it's it's really good to know that you support and partner with us. Uh, we don't take it lightly. Come to church. Go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, or download the free apps. Uh, love you guys. Your family, body of Christ, we are family and I'm privileged to serve alongside of you. Good night, everyone. Have a great night in Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.